KYW original podcasts. And we'll see what you're four, right? Yeah, one, yeah. two, three. Am yeah, I four? Yeah. yeah. All right, let's just let's just play with this. All right. Hey, Tom. Hey, Carol. <laughs> I'm not usually at the microphone. Normally, right. I'm pacing right behind you <laughs> while you try to interview someone. <laughs> but uh, wait, most of us are off this week. Uh, most of us who create the KYW the podcast, in depth, yeah. and we we don't want to go two weeks without putting something out. So we had an interview that we were sort of sitting on uh, from a few weeks ago around the time that we interviewed Rustin Johnson. Right. And part of that podcast, what we thought at the time was to talk to these two women who help families who have lost someone to murder navigate the system. And then as we were talking to them, we started to understand the scope of what they did and the people they helped. And then we thought, you know what? They deserve their own story. They do so much here. There's so much to get into. Yeah. So these are two of the loveliest people I think I've ever met. We all thought this was important enough to get out and hopefully some people enjoy listening to it. Yeah, I hope so too. And I also hope, I mean, God forbid, you know, you don't ever want to be in the position to need their services but it's important for people to know that those services are there. All right, cool. So you want to do the thing? Let's do the thing. (laughs) All right, so today we want to talk about the people who are there when no one else is. This is KYW In-Depth. I'm Carol McKenzie. Let's just start out what your name is, who you are, what you do. I'm Tracy Thomasy. I'm the executive director at the Anti-Violence Partnership of Philadelphia. And I'm Heather Arias. I'm the preliminary hearing coordinator. I work with Tracy at the Anti-Violence Partnership of Philadelphia, particularly uh, FMV, Families of Murder Victims Department. So what is your role? What is your role in the system? We offer two types of services to the Philadelphia community. We offer clinical services to those persons who've been victims of crime or who have lost a loved one to a homicide. And we also offer victim services. And what kind of services specifically do you offer? So our clinical services are free therapy, no cost to anyone who's been a victim of crime or lost someone to a homicide. Our victim services is court accompaniment. Our victim advocates will go to court uh, with victims and with those who've lost a loved one. We staff the preliminary room, that's Heather's role, uh, for homicides, and she ensures that the family members there have support and that there's someone explaining the process to them while they're in the courtroom. Heather, so give me an idea about of what your job is. What do you do? So once there's an arrest made in a homicide, after three weeks, the defendant has to have a preliminary hearing. So what I do is I will contact families of decedents and let them know that their loved one's preliminary hearing is coming up on such and such date. And I kind of keep them posted. I let them know if the case is going to move forward that day. So I'll kind of be like the liaison between them and the prosecutors or the detectives. And once that prelim date comes, I will accompany families to the preliminary hearing. I mean, I think that they've been through so much already, and the least that we can do is kind of hold their hand through this, you know, trying, complicated, confusing time, and just make sure that they're always in the know. They're never wondering or questioning, 
you know, what's going on with my case? You know, uh, you know, what's the next listing? If we can't do that for them, you know, I, I think that we failed at our job. You know, we should always keep them informed and, and know that somebody will always answer when you call. What's your training? How'd you get trained for so this? So I was actually an intern uh, for a few months before I was offered the position with uh, FM, Families of Murder Victims. So I did that for about four months. And um, I would, you know, go and accompany families to trials. Um, once they saw that I, there was some potential to keep me full time, um, they introduced me. My supervisor, Jordan Washington, she's excellent. Um, she trained me to work in the prelim room, which can be very intense sometimes because it's so yeah. raw. Um, you know, some people forget that this is almost immediately after someone lost, you know, their loved one and they have to see their the defendant's family is in the same room there to support their, you know, their loved ones. So there's a lot of emotions in that room. You know, you just got to be calm. And when they get frantic, just just be whatever they need you to be. Mm-hmm. But you were saying how confusing the system can be. So do you have legal training? I don't. How, okay. I don't. So I, I work in the DA's office. I'm not an employee of the DA's office. So my actual uh, cubicle is on the homicide floor. So that gives me easy access to speak to the prosecutors and get case updates and then learn just by sitting and watching about the, you know, the judicial system and the procedures and what's normal. Um, And I can pass that knowledge on to to the families as well. I think one of the primary roles that the victim advocates from families of murder victims get to fill is that communication gap. Yeah. Prosecutors are in court all day. Um, They're frequently out of the office. They're on trial it's hard for them to get back to families sometimes. And families need that communication when when something happens or something happens in their neighborhood and they're scared and they want to talk with somebody. Um, and there's that victim advocate that they can contact who can facilitate that communication. Mm-hmm. How your counseling services, how busy are you? We have on staff right now, I think, uh, eight clinicians all licensed social workers, and they are all filled to capacity. Uh, We have a short waiting list at the moment. Um, It's about eight or ten people, Um, but there have been times in my tenure where it's been as high as 50. Wow. It fluctuates. Um, And we try, if there are other services that can help that family quicker, we we will do referrals, and, and try to connect them to clinical services as fast as we can. I mean, what does that say to you, the need that you're that busy? I mean, a, a, homicide, a homicide results in one person's death, but the ripple effect to the community is enormous. And so very often we'll get a referral and it's 10 family members all asking for counseling. Or it's a mom and five kids. And so the implications, what it does to the family system, the community, um, it's, it's huge. And when you, when you go into the prelim rooms and you see families sitting there, sometimes it's one person and sometimes it's 20. It's, it, the ripple effect is huge. Yeah. How do you handle it? Because every are you in court every day and how do you handle hearing Horrible case after horrible case. I'm in court uh, usually Tuesdays and Wednesdays only. Those are the only dates that uh, we have homicide preliminary hearings. 
So I'll be in that room weekly. You really have to love what you do and have a love for people, you know, and I I try to think if that was my family, how would I want someone to treat my family? And my my family's not easy at all. <laughs> Just nutty. <laughs> so, uh, you know, most of the time, even though, um, you know, I, I, I work with mothers and fathers and, and loved ones, um, they're always very pleasant and receptive of our services. And it's just, you know, just a phone call or just a, you know, uh, how are you? You know, um, it, answering simple questions for them. That goes such a long way. Um, so I get a lot of joy knowing that I'm helping these people, even though it's terrible circumstances, but I know that I'm, I'm making a difference. And, and, you know, I've been told many times by families that, you know, just having that communication, having somebody to talk to uh, has helped them tremendously. And that helps me. That fills my cup. What's the burnout rate? I would prefer to look at it as the vicarious trauma than the burnout. I think burnout's a phrase that gets used, but really what happens is for people who are caring for um, folks who've been traumatized, you begin to take on some of that trauma, that vicarious trauma experience. Um, And if your agency can do some good things to help support you, we may minimize that experience. Um, You know, so we've put in things like an EAP so that staff can access therapy at no cost. What's an an EAP? Um, An employee assistance program so that there is therapy available. Um, It's available through their health insurance, too, with a copay, but the EAP allows them, right? It's a way for the agency to to support the emotional health of our employees. And we also try to do that by being um, supportive within the programs, checking in with each other, having supervision, having opportunities for staff to talk about the emotions tied to the work. All of that should reduce their experiences of vicarious trauma. But it's an emotionally laden work. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I think Heather is pointing out that is exactly on point is that you have to enjoy the small victories that you can help with a referral that you can connect someone to the answer to a question. And you you can't take away their loss, but each little piece of a puzzle in their life that you can help them find an answer to is a success. And that's what keeps people in the work, is that feeling of having truly helped someone answer a question or solve a problem. Yeah, I would think some of these cases keep you up at night. Some of them, yeah. Every once in a while you have. I guess it's the ones where you, um, yes, like small victories are so important and that's what keeps you going. But then it's the ones that you also, you can't do anything else for them and the case doesn't go your way and there's nothing else that you can do. Those are the ones that I take home with me, you know. Yeah. Those are hard. But we have a great team of prosecutors, so... I think families overall, they feel take very well taken care of and they know that we have a, a group of prosecutors and a, just a support staff also that are always going to be, um, you know, rallying for that family and, and there for them when they need us. Okay. If people, yeah, how can people find out more about your services and if they need your services, how do they, how do they go about doing that? Certainly. Our website has all of that information on it. It's avpphila.org. And we have explanations of each of the four programs we have. And they can always call the main number, which is 215-567-6776. 
um, and ask for assistance and we'll appropriately direct them. Are people, when people come into the system, are they automatically notified that you guys exist? Like, how do people find out that you exist and, and the services you offer? So at the medical examiner's office, um, with a homicide case, I, I believe from my last trip to the ME's office, they require someone to come in and give a family member to ID the body and also give contact information so that way we can reach out to them once a case, um, once there's an arrest made in the case. Uh, but at the ME's office, they are offered, from what I understand, I believe it's a, a packet uh, of information with different um, uh, different information about the different organizations around the city. They have, I believe they have our number, our contact info in there as well. I think and, the counseling center and then, reaches out also. Then we reach out to the family if they've told the medical examiner they want us to. Yeah. So once the family consents to outreach, we do outreach. We call them um, and go over all the services we provide, see if there's additional services they need referrals to. Um, our locations are in West Philadelphia and Fairmount. That's not convenient to everyone in the city. So there are other victim services agencies we may refer to so that folks can get their assistance. Thank you both for coming in. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Thank you. I mean, you know, I think when we were we were all here, what struck me when we were talking to these women was really the depth of their humanity and the depth of their caring and juxtaposed against the horrific nature of what they do. These people who just care so much in the face of tragedy and societies, the worst of the worst of society, these women step up. Maybe restore our faith a little bit. KYW In-Depth is produced by Charlotte Reese. Our production coordinator is Ali Amato. Tom Rickard is the executive producer of KYW Original Podcasts. I'm Carol McKenzie. Make sure to subscribe to KYW In-Depth and help us get the word out by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. We're taking next week off for the holiday, so we will see you in the new year.